This is The Longest Shortest Time from WNYC. I'm Hillary Frank, and this is You Guys. Hi, Hillary. It's Danielle from Canada, and I'm 29 years old. Right now, I'm 50-50 straight down the middle about whether or not I want children. Uh, One negative is that my husband is older than me. He already has a child, and he doesn't want any more children. Another thing, which may be selfish, is that I like my freedom. I like to sleep in. I like to travel. I like to do whatever I want, whenever I want. On the other hand, when I'm older and I've done everything I want to do in life, I'm very fearful of not having a family around me and being all alone and having that regret in the future. This is Natalie from Austin, Texas. I am very worried about possibly becoming a parent in the near future because I see parenthood as a huge responsibility. And although some of my friends who have children say, you can't prepare for it, I have chosen you know, to go ahead and read books um, on parenting. So I've read several parenting books. I listen to parenting podcasts. I read blogs all in preparation for this eventual event. And um, I'm also afraid that because I do suffer from depression and anxiety, that that is going to get genetically transferred to my children. Hi, I'm Kate and I live in Mobile, Alabama. I've always wanted children. However, I became more undecided about children when I came out to my family as a lesbian. I worry that my family won't acknowledge any child that my partner and I have together. I also worry about all the different difficulties surrounding being a gay parent. Do I adopt? Do I carry my partner's biological child? Will she carry mine? And what about the medical procedures? And how will we be treated as a family? What obstacles will my child face by having two moms? The only thing I know is that my life will feel incomplete without children, and I'm just waiting for everything else to fall into place. Lately, we've been hearing from a ton of you wrestling with this question of whether or not to become parents. It's just eating you up. I will say that when I get all of those emails, a lot of the time it triggers my own anxieties about whether or not I want to have kids. This is my producer, Joanna Solitaroff. Joanna's the person who reads all of your pitches, and she's the one who writes back if we want to know more. And I don't write this because it would be unprofessional, but I want to just write back in all caps, like, I hear you, sister, or like, tell me about it. I have been talking to Joanna pretty much all day long for the past year, and I've never asked her if she wants to be a mom. I mean, first off, I'm her boss, but also it's just not something that I ask people outside the context of this show. It's one of those things that I hated when people asked me before I had a kid. You know, it just felt so private. Well, Joanna and I were out for drinks a few weeks ago, and she took a gulp and kind of gave me a sly look. Then she told me that she'd recently just had a big epiphany, but she stopped herself and said she wanted to tell me about it on tape. As you can imagine, it was very hard to wait. Today on the show, the big reveal. And you, my friend, are in for a whole lot of eavesdropping. You'll get to hear one brave woman talking through this question, a question that almost everybody wrestles with, but almost nobody shares. Stay with us.
And so here we are. We have microphones in front of us. Um, Tell me what you want to tell me. Okay. Well, here's what I want to tell you, which is that when I started at this job, I was like, oh, yeah, I want to have kids. I think I would be a good mom. I think I will be a mom someday. But it was like very, very romanticized. And then I started working on this show, and it totally crushed my romantic vision of parenthood, especially like when we've been working on issues around childbirth injuries and maternal care and like hearing stories from listeners about, you know, workplaces not respecting the decision to have a baby, along with so many other anticipated challenges and how little control you can actually have at times over your own childbirth and what that looks like. I mean, there's just so many variables, and I think I found it really overwhelming and scary. Um, and this is the argument that that a lot of people make for not telling people who are pregnant or people who haven't had kids some of the um, harder parts of it, right? And some people want to be in the dark about it, but you haven't had a choice because you accepted this job. <laughs> I know. I just got to look it straight, straight in the face. Yeah. Um, So I think I got really freaked out and was like, man, this sucks. People have to deal with so much crap on top of just trying to keep a little person alive and healthy. Uh, And so, you know, I, I then sort of backed off of the idea that I would ever want to be a parent. I, ah, it kind of scared me. This is breaking my heart. Okay. <laughs> I ruined it for you. <laughs> you ruined it for me. Closed for business. <laughs> but then, okay, but then what's interesting is about a month ago, I ran into an acquaintance on the subway, and we were talking, and she said she was enrolled in this program, and it was sort of this life visioning thing. And for me, I'm not really. Wait, so is this like a, a support group or something? It's like a it's like a it's like a cohort. So you're with a group of people, and there's some there's somebody who guides you through sort of this curriculum of identifying what your goals are in the very short term. So like what you're going to do next week, next month, next year. And she was explaining the program to me, and we were sort of unpacking it on the train. And then she said, and then I made a ten year plan. And then I made a 20-year plan. And on the train, I thought to myself, whoa, I've never considered what my life is going to be like in 20 years. I've never even given it a thought. And then the first thing that I thought of is having a relationship with a daughter. Wow. And I was on... (laughs) I was on the train and was like, what? What? Like, I didn't even know this was a desire of mine to Your have. Your face is, like, turning red right now. I know. It really, it freaked me out. I've never pictured myself as middle-aged before. So I'm 31, and, you know, I could think about what my life might look like through my late 30s and my 40s, but when I got to what my life might look like in my 50s. It was so surprising to me that the first image that popped in my head was having a semi-adult person that I want to have a relationship with. Wow. What do you think that was about? Oh, I don't know. I think, I mean, I think part of it is just that I have this really 
uh, intense and beautiful friendship with my mom. And the idea of ever getting to a point where there's an absence of that is just devastating to me. I could never imagine not not having that and also not being able to cultivate that kind of relationship of my own with someone who might be my kid. And so then afterwards I was sort of reeling for, from this and was like, I don't even know what's going on. But now, yeah, that that was just amazing to me. And so I think for the first time ever, I'm actually thinking about that in a more practical and clear way. And if there's one thing that working on this show has taught me, it's that there really there aren't any guarantees. I don't even know if I'm capable of having kids. I don't know if, you know, in two, four, six years from now, I'm going to feel the way I even do now about it. But also, I feel really lucky because I feel super prepared. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. You talked about all the stuff that scared you. Um, Having thought forward 20 years and having this vision, um, does it change the way you think about the stuff that scared you? Now it does because I feel like I'm prepared for the worst case scenarios as much as I possibly could be, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a huge privilege. It's a huge privilege to have this kind of information. And I've been totally horrified by how little information people actually have, even when it just comes to advocating for their own health. So you're you're 31 now. Um, Do you feel your biological clock ticking, as they say? Um, Yeah, as they say. I don't feel it ticking because I just don't feel like I'm even in a position for it to be on the table yet. I'm single. I'm enjoying being single. Um, You know, do I feel my biological clock ticking? Um, I kind of feel like I have so little control over it that I don't feel that much pressure. Also, I feel like I have, I'm going to sound so corny. I feel like I have the beautiful opportunity to see this incredible and diverse range of how families are made by working on this show. And I feel confident in the fact that I'm going to find my own way to make my family and have my family. So in terms of putting some sort of pressure on myself to like, get started, partner off. I don't really feel that. I, I, uh, I'm I, leaving it a little more open-ended. You've talked to me about um, something you call the Solitaroff way. That, that's your last name, Solitaroff. Yes. Um, can you talk about that? Uh, yeah, I am totally... That's the thing is I'm completely on track with the Solitaroff timeline. Completely. No one gets married before they're 36. No one has a baby before they're 38. Uh and it's fine. I've gotten no pressure from my family. And this is, so this is like your sisters, your brother, mm-hmm. um, my, your, mo- your mom? My mom. Yeah. When did your mom have you? She was 38. When we come back, Joanna calls up a Solitaroff timeline expert, her mom. Don't go away. Hey, you guys, there's something I need you to do. If you like our show and you want it to keep going, this is super important. I need you to go to iTunes and subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time. And while you're there, if you're feeling extra generous, 
rate us, and write us a review. Now, I want you to do this even if you don't use iTunes to listen to podcasts. Seriously, higher iTunes rankings means more people can find our show. And more listeners means we can continue to deliver the surprising and risk-taking stories you have come to love every other week. Like the one about John and Tristan, the accidental gay parents, or our Sex and Parenthood series, or the one about mixed race with the eight-year-old who rapped to her white mom about not understanding her blackness. So please, take a moment to go to iTunes and subscribe to the show while you're thinking of it. And thanks. We're back. Hi, Mom. Hi, Joanna. After Joanna dropped her big news to me about her vivid image of having a grown daughter someday, she called her mom from the studio. So, Mom. Yes, dear. How old were you when you had me? I was 37. And how old was Dad? He was 47. My dad is a decade older than my mom. He grew up in the Great Depression. His name's Bob, and he's kind of a character. So here's some Bob 101. Bob is a talker. He likes to talk about Raymond Carver's short stories. He likes to talk about comedy bits from the 1950s. Bob lives in Minneapolis, and talkative men are not common in the Midwest. This is exactly what my mom liked about him. She especially liked how lovingly he talked about his three kids. He was going through a rough divorce, So with my mom, it was an on-again, off-again thing. She didn't have any plans to have his kid or any kid. Or at least that's what I had always thought. I always had this fantasy that, you know, somehow, somewhere I was going to have a child, at least one. But I had no plan for it. See, I never even knew that you really fantasized about having one child. I could tell you exactly what happened. When I realized that, which was, when I was 35, I I went to renew my birth control pills. I was told at 35 I couldn't have them anymore. This was in 1982, and it was standard practice to not give women over the age of 35 birth control pills. There were concerns over the long-term side effects. And I went to my actual doctor, doctor, and I said, I need some alternate birth control because now I'm too old to have the pill and, you know, weep, weep. I didn't really weep, but inside I was weeping. And he said, don't you ever want to have children? And I said, sure, which (laughs) it just popped out. And then he said, well, when? Because, I mean, this was 30-some years ago, and, you know, now that age of first childbearing is going upwards, but you know, 30 years ago, 35 was kind of like tick-tock. But that yes came out of my mouth without my knowing it. And I think that was the moment that somehow I knew I would have a child. I've never heard this before. This is crazy. So at 35, you felt like you knew you were going to have a kid. Yes. When the doctor asked me that, I said, yes. I surprised myself because that yes was in there somewhere and I didn't know I had it. How did I happen? How did you happen? Hmm. Was I subconsciously going to get pregnant? I, I had some physical issues also that I was 
told, you know, what was my terrible back and bones and everything that I probably uh, should not try to have children. Because you you had you had polio when you were right, little right, right. and just lots of right. you had a back brace and lots of yep. issues with managing pain. Exactly. Right. Um, and uh, truth to tell, I did have unprotected sex over my span and did not get pregnant. So I was pretty uh, casual about birth control, and then it was oops. And I totally knew that if we didn't get married and raise this child together, that I was going to do it by myself. I just knew it. You were a very assertive fetus. What does that mean? (laughs) I mean that, you know, there was just no question that I'd have an abortion, and there was no question that you were not going to happen. That's that's what's known as the assertive fetus. (laughs) It might... Well, you I know, I mean, it was just like it was just a given. I, I did not question it. How did Dad react when you told him you were pregnant? Oh, he just about died. It was not good news to him, shall we say. Can you describe what his face looked like? Oh, well, you've seen his face. <laughs> you've seen the horror face. The crumple face. <laughs> the mask of tragedy. So well. Oh, my God. Steam coming out of the nose. My parents never talked about getting married, and my mom prepared to raise me on her own. Planned Parenthood referred her to a maternity counselor. My mom tells me that at their first meeting, the counselor said, Oh, a single mother. It'll be just like one of those sitcoms about a widow and her kid. But my mom wasn't a widow, and she wasn't going to be a single mother either. Four months into her pregnancy, my father popped the question. So, Mom, have you had any thoughts or expectations about what my family is going to look like? I am going to assume that you're going to be a mother one way or another. I'm going to assume that. I think you'd make such a great mother. You're so good with kids. Oh, that's really nice. You are. You just have this wonderful instinct for kids. I don't. I don't know where you got that from. You? (laughs) No, I don't know. I think you'd be quite capable in any way. I mean, I could I could see you being a single mother if it came to that. I could see you having a lot of fun with more than one child, I think. You've never put any pressure on me, like, to settle down. And I feel like if I told you I didn't want to have kids, you would be open to that, too. Would you be open to that? Open? I mean, it's none of my business. So I have something really crazy to tell you. Okay. Which is that... Hillary and I were just talking, and my jaw dropped when you were telling me about how when you were in your 30s, you felt sort of like, meh, about having kids, and then that you had a vision. It's crazy because for a while, I've been thinking, I don't really think that having a kid is the right fit for me. Uh, And then someone recently asked me on the train Where do you imagine yourself in 20 years? And I had a vision of having a grown daughter and talking to her on the phone as a middle-aged woman. There you go. There you go. And it totally took me by surprise. That's beautiful. 
Yeah, that was my my vision. And I think so much about our relationship and how close we are and just thinking, oh, how amazing for me to have something like this with a child of my own. The doctor told me since you were such an active fetus, like you were running around all the time inside (laughs) me. You know, this one woman said, oh, that's a boy, so active. And I had this clear vision of a girl. I knew you were a girl. I knew you would have light brown hair. And I had this vision of you, you know, with your hazel eyes. and your. In my vision, you had very long hair, and that didn't work out <laughs> when you were nine or so. But otherwise, it was just a perfect picture of you. So, Joanna, we're back in the studio, you and me. Back. Just the two of us. You know what I thought was interesting listening to that conversation with your mom? She totally pictured you and she nailed it. Like she pictured what you would look like. Do you have a picture? Like are you picturing somebody when you picture this uh, person that you would have a relationship with um, 20 years down the road? Oh, man. Uh, I mean... I feel like there's, like, a lot of projecting happening. I just hope that whoever this person in my life is, like, you know, a rad, funny feminist. (laughs) For this whole thing, like, this person who I saw myself talking on the phone with, it wasn't, like, I saw someone's face. And I pictured, I did picture myself as an older woman. I more saw myself as an older woman on the phone and hearing, like, a younger voice that's probably evocative of my own voice. And and I just want to say this because you've, you've been really brave, like, coming out and, and saying all of this, that you know it's okay if you change your mind, right? It is? <laughs> Thanks, boss. <laughs> um. Yeah, it is It is okay if I change my mind. I have to say, though, I think what's so positive about this is that I feel like I'm at a place of ease with this possibility. And that's it, I, it feels really freeing and exciting. Joanna Solitaroff. She produces The Longest Shortest Time. I just wanted to give her a big thanks here for offering up her own story today. And I also want to thank everyone who called in to our Longest Shortest Time app. That's where most of the voices you heard at the top came from. And I got to say, I can totally relate to the anxiety those listeners are feeling. You know, I was so there back when I finally decided to go for it and try to become a mom. And, you know, um, as the host of this show, I've read so many of your emails and your Facebook posts, and I can tell you that these fears over whether or not to become a parent are completely normal and really common. So I want to invite you to use our blog as a place to hash out your fears, your, your ambivalence. Go to longestshortesttime.com and leave a comment on this episode. That's episode 64. Go there and tell us what's on your mind and, and talk to each other. And if you're one of those people who has made up your mind, I want parents and non-parents alike to tell the undecided what helped you make your decision. I also want to encourage you to check out the podcast Note to Self. Manoush Zamarodi recently had me on as a guest, and we talked about the benefits and the drawbacks to posting pictures of your kids online. 
And it was just a really fun and interesting conversation. And we actually used feedback from some of you. So go check out that show. Again, it's called Note to Self. This podcast is a production of The Longest Shortest Time and WNYC. The show is produced by me, Hillary Frank, and Joanna Solitaroff with help from Ellen Mayer. Bill Moss mixed the show. Our theme music is by The Batteries Duo. Special thanks to Paula Schumann, Peter Clowney, Irene Trudell, and Merritt Jacob. I'll be back with a new episode in two weeks at 3 o'clock in the morning. We are here to keep you company always in those wee hours. But if you're not up then, don't worry. You can get the podcast at a reasonable time. Just subscribe to our newsletter. Go to our website, enter your email in the little box there, and I'll send you a secret link six hours earlier than the show gets posted. And, of course, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we want your voices on our show. So pitch us. Your story can be anything about your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your parents. We talk about kids of all ages. And, above all, we love to hear things we've never heard before. So surprise us. Go to LongestShortestTime.com and submit your story. It, it happened on the C train in Penn Station, which if anyone knows it, nothing ever good really happens there. <laughs> you can name your daughter C train. <laughs> yeah, she'll love that. <laughs>